I'm Doug Keck, and welcome to Bookmark. You know, miracles do happen. They certainly do. We have Sister Breege McKenna with us. The book, Miracles Do Happen, God Can Do the Impossible, which she wrote years ago, along with Henry Liberstadt, still available through our EWTN religious catalog, along with the audio version, both, both bestsellers. You should check them out if you haven't already. And by the end of this interview, you'll be calling up or online ordering. Great to see you, Sister Breege. Nice to see you, too, It's always wonderful, it's wonderful to be with you. You know, it's always tough to catch you. You're always on the move and uh, out and about. And uh, for many, many years, Sister, you, uh, uh, you know, uh, were giving priest retreats with, with Father Kevin, and then Father Kevin passed several years ago. So what are you doing now? Well, um, Father Kevin went to the Lord in, in 2018, and it wasn't shortly after that I give the retreats that we had already signed up and uh, the priests and the bishops had the courage to ask me on my own. But you know, it's hard when you're giving retreats on your own, and especially because I do a lot of personal ministry, so giving the talks and ministering as well. Mm. And, uh, but um, I consider myself young, I wasn't that old, and I was able to do it, but I prayed and I asked the Lord, you know, maybe I should cut down, maybe I should, um, you know, now after all these years. And, and yet I always felt you never retire. Mm -hmm. The gospel has to be, you know, you have to speak. And especially in my ministry to priests because the Lord gave it to me for 45 years ago mm -hmm. in, in a beautiful experience of what the priesthood is about. And I prayed and um, it wasn't until last year, um, you know, I prayed a lot to mm -hmm. Father Kevin and I was telling him, Kevin, you're up there in heaven now. I'm sure you could pull some strings and get somebody to help mm -hmm. me down here. And that's when uh, this um, letter came, or a text from uh, a cousin of Father Pablo's, saying to me that this a young uh, cousin of theirs, and he was a wonderful special priest, and he was in Costa Rica as a missionary, and he would love to come and visit Sister Breach and make the spiritual exercises. And the first part, I said, it'd be lovely for him to come and visit, but the spiritual exercises is not my thing. Mm -hmm. So I said, but I have a lovely chapel at my office and Jackie and I would welcome him. So anyway, Father Pablo came. I was, we were very touched. I brought him to the house of prayer for Pentecost. He came around Pentecost and everybody, at, you know where the Marian servants and Cleowater, the house of prayer, and they were all saying there's something very special. And my first memory was when he was holding up the chalice, there was a flame with the reflection of the chalice. We were all looking at it. And his talk was dynamic, mm -hmm. very. So we were delighted. It was like a retreat for us, but I never thought anything. He was going back to Costa Rica. Right. And uh, a week, about a week later, I was sitting in adoration and it just like, it, it, I wasn't even thinking about him. But all of a sudden, he came into my mind and I heard this very gentle voice saying, Breach, I sent Pablo mm -hmm. because he's the one that I've chosen, he will work with you, and together you will renew and help my priests and the people. All right. Let me ask you, this book actually came out in 87, and you were already what? In, uh, how many years uh, a religious at the time that that happened? I was, tw my, my jubilee was the year, it was in, I think it was 87. Right, and that's the year the book came out, too. Yes, now having the diamond. Right. Well, uh, you've got multiple jubilees, let's put it that way. But with that being the case, I'm just wondering, you know, you've been out there in the field from 1987 plus on. Um, 
you know, doing these priest ministry retreats, uh, I remember we saw you, my wife and I were inspired. We went with friends to see you at Fordham University in the early 90s when you did a Eucharistic event right, there yes. with, with, with Father Kevin was very moving and very powerful. And it certainly, you know, enhanced a lot of our personal devotion to the Blessed Sacrament. Yes. And you could see the power of it. Uh, but you, you're working with priests, and we hear today there's so many problems with priests. The priesthood has got so many issues. You know, do you sometimes feel like it's a losing battle? No, no, Doug. You know, this is the wonderful thing, that uh, I, I have never ever since the day that I got this ministry, which was, as I think I told you before, was in a, in a kind of, a, mm. I, I hate to call it mystical, but I can't put any other name on it, because I was in the chapel for four hours, and I, I got, I was very critical of the priesthood in the beginning, because they were leaving in the, in the 70s, right. and there was a lot of conflict going on, and nuns were leaving. And you know, it's the easiest thing for the enemy to do is to, get you to start criticizing and gossiping. Mm -hmm. And so I went into the chapel and that's when I said to the Lord, Lord, what's wrong with the priesthood? And I heard the Lord say, but what do you mean what's wrong with my priesthood? And it was then that I had this whole revelation about what the priesthood is and Jesus showed me in a kind of a, a series of scenes, the ordination, and then he gave me two missions. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is back in the 70s, early 70s, and I remember uh, the two th wor words that I got very clearly, one was, a time is coming when there'll be a, a tremendous crisis in family life. The, the families will reject my priestly gift of a vocation mm -hmm. because they will it not be nurtured. I will always give a vocation. I will never break my promise to be with my people. But in not, it's not every place, it's just like the Catholic Church and the priest is not gonna last in Ireland or America, right. if we don't nurture it. It's right. going to die, but it's not going to go. And I felt the Lord saying to me, I want you to go into the Word, and I want you to speak to the laity mm -hmm. that vocations come from families, and that we are responsible, and the first way to, to destroy it is that we reject the vessel, the instrument, mm -hmm. the, the person. And so that wasn't hard for me. The second one was where, and this is to answer your question, mm -hmm. but getting discouraged, or you see all mm -hmm. the sins and you see the scandals and everything. Right. And the second one, I saw Jesus weeping, and I saw the sea of bishops and priests, and Jesus was crying, and he, he, it was as if I saw him putting his hand out. And I would have been an Irish Catholic who had such a great reverence for the priesthood, and I mean, our priest was an alcoholic when I was a child, but. And you waited an hour for mass, but nobody ever talked against the priest. Mm -hmm. I mean, we treated the priest maybe too high on a pedestal, mm -hmm. which made it hard for them. Because then it's like telling yourself you're a king, and you begin right. to believe it. Then you, you know? know yourself, all your problems. Yeah. And it, it makes it different. Even famous people, I think, have the same problem many oh, times, yeah, where yeah, they can't live up to the expectations exactly. people put on. And that's right. the that's the danger. That's where dear Mother Angelica's wisdom came to me. When she told me, don't be copying styles. Right, I, I was going to ask you about that because I always remember you talking about yeah. that. I've she, told that story. Her wisdom, you know, her, her sense. Like of you said, because you, you have a healing ministry. Yes. You had the, and Mother did too, and you yeah. went, you came to her, right? I, came, I used to come here a lot. Right. And, uh, and the, the mother was a nun at the time. She'd give me some wisdom, but her wisdom was different than Mother Angelica's. <laughs> she didn't have the deep faith to yeah. trust in, uh, in everything, you know. But Mother Angelica said that to me. Now, when I had this vision of the, the priesthood, 
of Jesus crying. And I, I remember thinking, that I, it just came like a photograph in front of me. And then the Lord looked at me and he said, these are the men I have chosen mm -hmm. to share my priesthood. What have you ever done to thank me? Why do you only uh, criticize me when I give this gift? And then he showed me the terrible lack of, that many priests were going to turn away from the wisdom of Jesus, that would seek the wisdom of the world, that uh, many priests would deny the faith, M many bishops would water it. It was all like what ha was happening, mm -hmm. not at the time. And I remember thinking, my God, this is awful. And then I heard the Lord saying, but I give you a mission. I want you to go into the world. I want you to speak to bishops and priests. Mm -hmm. Tell them true humility is to acknowledge me and to receive my priesthood as my gift, not theirs, to them. I want you to encourage them, affirm them, and pray for them. And I got such a love that morning for the priesthood. And I was, I often say to people, I learned one thing that morning that I never forgot. Mm -hmm. First of all, that nobody has a right to the priesthood, not even the Pope or bishops or anybody else, mm -hmm. because it's not a right. It's like, think about it, Doug, that to go into the presence of God and say to God, you give me power. Mm -hmm. The only person that Jesus is still obedient to and the Holy Spirit, the Father fulfills his promise, the Holy Spirit comes and Jesus immediately comes, is the priest. Mm -hmm. Because every priest that's of ordained in the church can, and it's not him, mm -hmm. but that Jesus would obey. Well, what can we, lumps of clay made out of, mm -hmm. you know, go to in front of God? And that's where I got this sense. There's no such a thing as a right to the priesthood. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is, that there's no late vocations. A late vocation is the terminology we use when a man goes to the priesthood later. But the vocation didn't pop into his life. The vocation was there from all time. Well, why do you think it's harder for people to answer today maybe than oh, it has been the, in the last 50 years? Because of the environment, years. because of the secular society, because of modernism, because of secularism, mm -hmm. because of the sexual revolution, because of everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I admire, I have great admiration for young men and women who go to religious life today because it's easy for me to brag that I entered the convent young, but there wasn't much difference in family life then because we said the rosary, we all went to mass, and you never heard, I never heard of the terminologies we're hearing of today. So it wasn't a big, necessarily a, a dramatic transition no, for you in a lot of ways. not at all. And I think it was the same for many priests going right. into the seminary. But now, so I went to the bishop after that vision. I went to see the bishop and I told the bishop. And now the bishop wouldn't have been what you'd say, I mean, I know everybody's charismatic because we all have the Holy Spirit. It's gifts, you know, but we need, Father Harold Cohen used to say, we need a stirring up. Right. Well, I went yes. to see the bishop and I sat down with the bishop who was the first bishop of St. Petersburg Diocese. And I said, Bishop, told him. And he listened to me. And he got up and he went over to the window and he stood at the window and for a few minutes and then he turned around and he looked at me these dark brown eyes he had, and he said, Sister, I see on the horizon a great crisis coming to the church. Really? And when it comes, this in 70, when it comes, he said, hold on to the vision God gave you, mm -hmm. be obedient to your authorities in the church, and if this is of God, then God will raise you up at a time when this is needed. 
Right. Wasn't that great advice? Right. And and it happened actually here in EWTN. I came here shortly after that to make a seven-day retreat, and that's when uh, Mother and I talked to Mother Angelica and. Um, and when one of the little nuns, I don't know which mm -hmm. one, give me a prophetic word. Mm -hmm. And that's where it all started. Right. And Father Kevin came in. It was here at the station that I had the vision of Father Kevin that I was going to work with really? this priest. Okay. So you didn't know him before? No, okay. I didn't know him and I didn't want him. I okay. thought, oh, I, I'm very independent at that right, time. Right. You know, I was in my 20s <laughs> and I thought, ah, no, I'll do it on my own. Right. And uh, I was sitting out in the chapel, I was thinking of it this morning, mm -hmm. and uh, of course there was no people at Mass, it was just myself there mm -hmm. at the time, there's no studios or anything. And the nuns in the back, in fact, I used to go in with them to Mass and I slept in the convent with them and all, because, mm -hmm. you know, it was small sure. then. But I had this vision, even then, and I saw this seminary, and I saw this group of priests and cassocks or seminarians, and I saw it, I had this image of Jesus walking, and he turned around and some of the priests were falling back and some were getting discouraged and and all of a sudden he took the face of one priest mm -hmm. cradled in his hand and he said look at this priest and the, i'll never forget the words you will come to know him you will meet him you will come to know him and together you will work throughout the world for my priests and my church mm -hmm. and my reaction was i don't really that's all my imagination. I don't want anything to do. Ah, no, I'm happy enough. Mm -hmm. And I told, I went over to New Orleans. I told Marilyn Quirk, the founder of Magnificat, was mm -hmm. a good friend of mine. And Marilyn said, Breach, we're all praying. Because I was going to South America. I, was, I went to seven countries at the invitation of bishops. Then I was in my 20s. And people were saying, ah, oh, it's too hard. You shouldn't be on your own in these countries. Right. So right. I didn't bother. I went back to Ireland to see my family mm -hmm. and Father Kevin's brother. Gerald, met me. I didn't know them at all. Mm -hmm. And he said, my brother would love to meet you. Really? He's starting a program in Dublin for priests. and Oh, he'd love to meet you. Well, first of all, I didn't know this priest. And secondly, I thought I'm on my holidays. Mm -hmm. So he kept pestering me. So I said, OK, I'll go see him. So I go to Al Hallows. And it's the 16th of July, 1960, uh, 1967. OK? OK. So I go up and, uh, was it 67? No, it was 1976. I was going to say, I think yeah, you're giving yourself yeah. less credit than you deserve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 1976. <laughs> and when I go up, uh, I, Father Kevin is at the college. I don't remember anything but this vision or anything I had. But anyway, he's starting this program. And the last thing he needed to see was an American, a non-home from America that had the gift of feeling, thought she had a ministry to priests. That's his phrasing. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm up to my eyes with this program. Anyway, he asked me to pray over his head, mm -hmm. his legs. He said, I, I prayed and I got this prophecy for him. And he said to me when I was leaving, will you come back? I said, no, no, priests are coming in. The first day to see a nun here. I said, no, no, I'll come back sometime when you start the program. Mm -hmm. And as I'm turning to walk out, the whole thing flashed before me. The whole college, this walkway of two years ago at Mother Angelica's here, okay. that vision. Mm -hmm. And uh, I never told him. But the same summer, I went back and uh, I start ministering with them at the intercession. Priests would come with, and they were not charismatic priests or anything, in the sense of inner renewal, but they would come in. I never questioned this prophetic ministry I had that would come to me. And then Father Kevin got invitations because of the Irish missionaries around the world right. to Korea and Japan 
and um, a few other countries over in the Orient. But I got invitations from the Charismatics mm -hmm. at the same time. And when the two of us got together, we said, why are we working separately? And for two years I worked with him, but I never told him. And his, we went to the Rome, and his general blessed us both, and we started the team ministry. And that's how uh, we started, you know, and uh, we give priest retreats. We spoke at the Vatican. We give uh, retreats in every island you can imagine, in the Pacific Ocean, all over Africa. Well, well let me ask you, you, you know, early on you, you kind of had a, a healing ministry, okay? Um, do you view what you're doing now as an extension of that effectively? No, I, what I do, I don't know you say it, an extension. To, uh, yes, I was miraculously healed, and mm -hmm. yes, Jesus gave me the gift of healing. But I went to, I went to Lourdes to pray for, to keep me in the heart of the church, because healing can become very uh, dangerous in the sense that they make you a movie star and right. they're ushering you in and protecting you from the people, because, mm -hmm. you know, people love somebody like me, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, that was the good thing that I, I prayed. I'm not the type that likes a lot of sensation, and I don't feel one bit different than anybody else. And I, did, I felt, why would you be so, you know, be singled out just because you pray for healing? Right. So I went to Lourdes and I said to a lady, you have to keep me from becoming somebody on the fringes of the Catholic Church, you right. know, with the healer. And uh, that's when I went to Juarez, and I had the experience with you. It's in the book. Right. I've told it many times with the miraculous healings at the Eucharist. Mm. And that's when I, I, the healing ministry took a different turn, even just before I met Father Kevin, I think, where I start to realize what Jesus had said to me, that I must focus on the Eucharist right. and to preach on the Eucharist around the world. And I would see signs and wonders. And that was perfect because Father Kevin comes along and he has a great love for the Eucharist. And he said, Breach, let's start. Instead of, you know, all these people coming to you after to lay hands on them, why don't we start carrying Jesus like they do in Lourdes? And we introduced the Eucharistic healing services around right, the world. Right, right. And that, so that's where that ministry, so and now I do that in Father Pablo, we do it in the, in the parish missions. Mm -hmm. And uh, with the priest retreats, we bring the priests up in front of the monstrance and we stand them looking at Jesus. And they do two things. The first day they renew their gift of ordination, the grace mm -hmm. of ordination in front. And then the, on the day of healing, we, we get them to come and stand before Jesus, look at the sacred, mm -hmm. we stand and pray with them. Right. So I, in, both of them are very much in part of the ministry I'm doing today. And then right. I do a lot of Skype and FaceTime since COVID right. worldwide. Right. Well, we've got to get you on the network more since we know that that's available. We've got plenty of shows we'd like to have you on as a guest, whether you're here in person or not. So I'm counting on you. So I'm going to write that down. But but also with uh, what you do now with the parishes and things like that, what's your focus when you usually do a parish mission? Does it change focus or is it a, or do you have a, a, a one that's a central theme? Well, the central theme for me and and I think for Father Pablo as well and it was for dear Father Kevin is that there is a tremendous need for evangelization at the parish level on the sacraments of the church and on on you know what it means to be a Catholic what it means to the priesthood of the laity why mm -hmm. we always uh, speak I always talk to the people about the difference between the ministerial priesthood and the priesthood of the laity. We all are called, and especially the laity are called to go into the places to bring Jesus. And that's really what Jesus, when we were baptized. So then we talk about on the first day, 
we gave a whole talk on repentance, on sin. Mm. And today people are afraid because we're afraid of offending people. So we don't preach the gospel. Right. So we don't talk. I, I told my parish priest recently, we just had a big parish with you down in, in Florida. I said, now, Father, put your mind at ease. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about controversial issues. We talk about Jesus and the Bible, the gospel. We speak about what Jesus taught and what the church about the church's teachings, mm -hmm. which are there for 2,000 years and the Catholic Catechism. So I said, you don't need to worry because we're not going to get up and start blasting all the... Because, you know, Doug, there is a big danger in the Catholic Church today, and we see it, and that's why we're so interested in giving the parish missions, mm -hmm. because there is a danger that the enemy is using the right wing and the left wing. And like dear Pope John Paul said, we're not for the extreme right and the extreme were for truth right and that's what the parish mission is to try and renew the prisoners like for example the Eucharist how many people if you are ask them what the mass is what is the mass mm -hmm. they'll tell you it's it's really holy it's a prayer it's they give you all the definition but you say to them um, first of all it's the actual passion death and resurrection and then you have to go through why did people die for it? Why is it the most important? Mm -hmm. And that's one of my great joys, uh, Doug, is I meet loads of Catholics after the missions who say the Eucharist never meant anything to right, me. Right. But I tell a lot of stories. I have volumes of stories of miraculous things from the Eucharist and from healing, you know. Right, right. And so it, when you illustrate it with like the Acts of the Apostles, mm -hmm. when you read the Acts of the Apostles, the Apostles came back, and even in the Responsorial Psalm today, when the psalmist says, you know, go out and tell the wonders of the Lord. Mm -hmm. One of the most powerful ways that the disciples did was to witness not, we are not going to go back to 2,000 years ago and witness what happened. We have to be able to witness to the Jesus who is alive today. today. And that's what people want to know. They don't want to know, but yeah, Catherine of Siena and Mother Angelica had a great line. So the people who wrote the saints' books, the lives of the saints, should go to purgatory because she said they're impossible to imitate. Right. We need say hagiography we need where it's uh, you're right. Yeah. Mother always said, "I don't want plaster Paris saints." Oh, that, that that's not what the saints really were. Exactly. Right, right. And you see, this is where at, at the missions and uh, Father Pablo has wonderful has a wonderful way of um, speaking about, let's say, of confession. Mm -hmm. And we had now during Lent, we had four missions, uh, three in Florida. We have one now in Georgia. But it's amazing the people that come to me and say, I haven't been to confession 40 years. Right. Or he has this gift of knowledge and say, he's like Patrick Pio. Well, he looks like Patrick Pio, but his mother says he's much better looking than Patrick Pio. Oh, really? Pio. Okay. He's a younger version <laughs> than Patrick Sounds Pio. Sounds like a good mom. <laughs> she's a good mom, yeah, he's much, much better looking. But so the, the parish missions are to renew the Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. I tell them, look, at, we, we don't need anything new. There's nothing new. In the, in the Word of God, or right. we need to f discover the richness of what we have as Catholics, and especially in the sacraments. So when you when you when you deal with people today, and I'm not talking politics, things like that, but a lot of people, to some degree, you know, the, the emphasis on the mercy of God, which is there, and it's it's you know divine mm -hmm. mercy and those that some people start to think the idea that well, God loves me so much, and He knows I'm trying my exactly. best. And that's all I really need to do. Yeah. So, or be a good why, person. So why are you laying all these burdens on me? Yes, and that's the big mistake. And I have to say that the the year of mercy, which was called, 
was wonderful, but some people took it as, well, you know, there's nobody ever goes to hell. There's no, you know, I mean, why would God, you can't judge people. And I tell parents, people come to me and say this to me. I said, listen, why do we have tribunals? I said, why did, sure we, we can't judge, you know, the soul of the person, but you don't tell me that a mother and a father can't make judgments about their children mm -hmm. on the right decisions to make. I said, I see my secretary do it all the time. And I said, we have to judge a, a certain fruits of, of a ministry. Mm -hmm. You have to make judgments and say, well, this isn't good in this. So I said, that phrase, we can't judge, is not finished. It's a half sentence because you have to judge according to the Lord's mind and what the Lord teaches and what the Catholic, if you're a Catholic, you, you, you have to make judgments about things that you have to decide. I mean, I have to make a judgment if I'm going to vote for somebody sure. who is contrary, contrary to my faith and everything. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's sure it's a judgment because I'm saying this person doesn't believe what I believe. Is that wrong? No, that's what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Now, um, what was the rest of the question? Well, I mean, it's the whole point of like you're saying, you, yeah. you can't judge somebody's <clears throat> soul ultimately or their eternal, yeah. you know. But I, I give you examples, and, and this is a pretty direct example now. See, we are living now today where parents are having a terrible dilemma with the whole thing of marriages. Mm -hmm. And um, people come home and say to me all the time, and it's not being spoken about in the churches. so. I gave a mission over in Ireland some time ago and there were so many people came to me because their, their, their children were in same-sex relationships mm -hmm. and there was all kinds of confusion and my heart went out to them because these people are really trying to live the Catholic faith but they have their children coming home so I thought I don't know I may be shot but I have to address this issue but I told them it in the context of a story which I'll tell you mm -hmm. uh, the response was phenomenal. All I said to them was, look at as parents, you have to teach the, what, what the Lord's teaching, what the teachings are. But I said, if your son or your daughter comes home, and I said, they say to you, you know, I'm gay and whatever. I said, you don't reject them. Because the Catholic Church doesn't reject people with tendencies and struggles. Mm -hmm. But I said, if they came home and they're bringing somebody with them, whether they're male or female, young, your, your daughter or your son, and they want to share a room, they want to have a room. I said, then inside your house, you make the standard morals. You, it's your, you have to say, no, not inside right. this house. I'm not accepting it. Well, do you know? But I said, you love them, don't reject. Because a parent told me they told the child not to come home anymore mm. because they were embarrassed. I said, no. So many people came up to me and said, Sister Breach, to be able to hear you say, you don't reject, you don't, you, you don't cast them out. Mm. I said, no, that's n the church w would never do that. I said, you know, I speak a lot about confession. And I said, I have told many young men and women who are in terrible struggles and terrible dilemmas because they don't want to live this lifestyle, but they don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. And I said, I tell them, you go and talk to a priest and Jesus is full of mercy and compassion. And you have to do what I have to do as a young woman. I had to make a choice to live a chaste life. Chastity is not just for priests and nuns. It's for married people, single people. Absolutely. And you see, those are the kind of things that, that we have to recognize. These are what's troubling the people out in the right. pews. Sister Breach, always a pleasure. And uh, by the way, she also has a book, Miracles Do Happen, a classic 
God can do the impossible. Amen. Look at EWTN. Look at Sister's work by Sister Breach McKenna, available naturally through our EWTN religious catalog. If you haven't read this book, you're missing out. Also, if you'd like to hear uh, Sister Breach read it to you, even better with that lovely brogue, uh, you can check that as well through EWTN's religious catalog. I'm Doug Keck. We thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on Bookmark. Thanks.